thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you enjoyed today's message. You're great, you're great, you're great. You are great, you're great. The heavens declare your glory and the firmaments. They show your handiworks. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness today. We thank you for your love today. We thank you for your mercies. They are new every morning. Lord, we lift you up today. We thank you for life, and your word says that with long life, you will satisfy us. Father, we thank you that even in the midst of the storm, that you are right here with us. That your word declares that you are always faithful. That you'll never leave us, nor will you forsake us. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen and amen. We're so excited to be coming to you today. This is Pastor Vernon with Crossword Church. And today is the day that God has made. And I believe in my heart that God has given me a word for you today. He's given me a word that if you listen with the ears of the Spirit, it will literally revolutionize your faith walk with God. We're talking about what it means to be visionary. And last week... We literally talked about the visionary plan of God. And that in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, the vision of God for us, the plan of God for us, is that when we were disconnected from him because of Adam and Eve in the garden, that provision was made before the foundations of the world for us. And all throughout the scriptures, we see our father, pursuing after us to reconcile us back to himself. And so today, we're going to take one step further. We're going to expand this thought just a little bit. And today, I'm going to talk about what it means to walk in visionary freedom. And we understand that we're on the verge of a Memorial Day weekend here in the United States, and we're going to be celebrating that. But we're going to talk about visionary freedom today. I want to, one more time, just pray over all of you that's going to be listening. Father, I just thank you for your word today. And Lord, we send your word right now. And let it do what only it can do. Empowered by your spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You know, on this national holiday, I'm reflecting on the meaning of freedom. And not just freedom, but I'm thinking about what visionary freedom actually looks like. You see, the brave men and women, they fought to preserve the freedoms that we experience here in this country. And they willingly placed their lives on the line so that both you and I can experience and walk in freedom. And see, I am persuaded that sometimes it's only until you lose something that you really value what you had. 
And what I mean by that, it's only when you are sick that you really begin to value health. It's only when the mother or the father has gone on that you really begin to miss them sometimes. You know, it continues today that they fought for our freedoms. They gave their lives, many of them, for their freedoms. And I am so grateful that they did. They have selfishly, selflessly served to ensure the fact that we can walk in freedom today. I want us to know that freedom is one of the most sought after commodity and it's the highest pursuit in human existence outside of life. And yet, it can be elusive. Because here's the thing, when you have it, when you don't have it, you want it. And then when you do have it, if you're not careful, you can devalue it or you can abuse it. Throughout history, all across cultures, people have sought for freedom. Many have emphasized spiritual freedom and or emotional freedom, while others have focused on external restraints with regards to freedom from political or slave um, issues. See, the Hindus... They seek an experience of oneness with the universe in order to disconnect them from the distractions of the world. The Buddhists, they seek enlightenment in order so that they will not pursue the things of the world. And the atheists, they just simply want to be free from all the constraints of objective rules and laws. And so I'm talking about freedom today. I'm talking about the visionary freedom of God that he was thinking about with regards to your life and regards to mine. See, for many, the idea of freedom in this culture, it's about being free from something. This is the secular heartbeat. It's that many people believe that freedom is about me being released from something. It's about me executing my own rights to do whatever I want to do without any type of restriction. They believe it's about disconnecting from anything or anyone that would put any restraints in their lives. You may hear things like this. You do what you do and I do what I do. It might be good for you, but what I do is good for me. And nobody's going to tell me how I'm going to think or how I should be or what I should do. However, I, what I'm going to deal with today is a different perspective on freedom. I'm going to talk about the biblical perspective of freedom. And the fact that this freedom is about bringing us out of something in order to bring us into something. Before I get into the biblical concept of freedom, I want to talk just real briefly about freedom from the, from the Greek perspective. See, in Greek philosophy, the word freedom primarily is used in the sense of political sense. Because here is the thing. 
to be free, it simply means that you are a citizen. If you are a citizen, you are free. If you're not a citizen, then you are a slave and you do not have the freedoms of a citizen. But it's important for us to understand that even in that system, to be able to be free, there still needed to be some laws. There still needed to be some rules that would govern or protect the freedom that people were experiencing. Now I want to talk about freedom in the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament, with regards to freedom, it talks primarily about freedom from slavery. But it's something very interesting about this because even in the Old Testament, there was a provision that was made that every seven years, an owner of a slave would give them the opportunity to attain their freedom. And so we see this being exampled all throughout the Old Testament. See, in the larger scheme of things, for the children of Israel, freedom was precarious. What I mean by that is that God delivered them from Egypt, but they would repeatedly get themselves in situations that God would then have to raise up judges because that disobedience would bring them into a place of oppression by another nation. And so time after time, again, would, you would find a generation that would be raised up and they would choose to disobey the word of the Lord. And this would lead to their enslavement. See, when they disobeyed God, it led to their freedoms being restricted. The Assyrians conquered the entire kingdom. Then we see the Babylonians coming in and capturing the southern kingdom. And then we see the Roman, the Roman occupation of Jerusalem. And during that season, we see that there were some groups that would rise up. People like the Maccabees and the Zealots. Because here is the thing about freedom. It always pursues to be free. Freedom was often talked about, delineated with regards to the prophets. Here's the thing. There is a difference between freedom and deliverance. I'm going to say that again. See, because there are a lot of people that are in churches or are participating in churches. And yes, they may have been freed from sin, but they're still in bondage to the power of sin. Meaning that they have not experienced the deliverance from those yokes. And I want you to know that the purpose that God sent Jesus is not that you can be free and just receive salvation, but he wants you to be delivered. I want you to say that to yourself right now. I want you to say, God wants me to be delivered. See, he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the Bible declared that an entire generation had to die in the desert. Why? Because Egypt was not taken out of them. They did not experience a deliverance from that which they came from. I think of Jesus in his inaugural message. And Jesus says this. He's coming out of the wilderness, being tested, being tempted by the enemy. 
And in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he's quoting now from, the, from Isaiah 61. So I'm reading from the Amplified Bible in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Uh, the, the words here, good news, is the same word as the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, and forgiveness to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, the downtrodden, the bruised, crushed by tragedy. Verse 19, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abounds greatly. I love this passage of scripture because Jesus is declaring that he has come and he's coming to four categories of people. Here, here are the categories. Good news, the gospel, to the poor. The next category of people here are those who are captives. And then the third are those who are blind and the fourth are those who are depressed. I'm telling you, the power of the gospel is that it has the uncanny ability to literally bring us from where we were bound into a place of freedom and deliverance. And Jesus is saying, this is why I am here on the planet. See, the proclamation was this. It was about liberty and it was about freedom. That's the hallmark of Jesus's message. And so now we want to move into freedom in the New Testament. See, the predominant discourse on freedom in the New Testament is not necessarily political freedom, but it is the freedom that Christ brings that sets us free from sin, from the law, from Satan, from the old man, and from death. Hey, listen, it's not that you know, political freedom or uh, freedom from slavery is not important. But here in the New Testament, there is a greater bondage. There is a greater bondage that Jesus wants to deal with. You see, with the Greeks, the problem was the bondage of the mind. In the New Testament, the problem is the bondage of the will. Do you know the difference? You see, the mind is where we do all of, all of our thinking, but in the will is where we do all of our doing. And so when God says that we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds, he's talking about being able to allow the power and the word of God to come in and to change the way we think. But it goes beyond there. It's about changing our wills also. See, because you can be politically free and yet still emotionally and mentally bound, spiritually bound. There's so many people walking on the planet today and they look as though everything is going great. 
And you will never really know what's going on within the heart of a person until you sit down and begin to unpack by just spending time and asking questions. And it's amazing as a minister of the gospel, as I begin to engage with people and allow them to share what's really going on in their heads and in their hearts, I begin to see the brokenness of humanity. And I want you to know that we serve a visionary God who has brought visionary freedom to make that available for us. This is what John 3, 19 and 20 tells us. See, the thing about the human will or the human mind is that it's never really neutral. There is always something that's striving to control or to manipulate or to have its influence in our thinking. John 3, 19 and 20 says this. Regarding the human nature, it says that men love darkness and they hate light. Think about that. Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds, their actions, the motivations of their hearts are evil. Later on, John continues to write to us in chapter 8 verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, he said, listen, if you abide in my word, you are indeed my disciples and you shall know the truth. Watch this. And the truth shall make you free. You may have heard that scripture maybe hundreds of times before. But, but, but listen to what Jesus is really saying. He says, listen, if you abide in my word, if you tabernacle if you dwell if you reside if you make it your point to live in my word then you are my disciple see it's not just about just looking at the bible and for five minutes and then we on our way it's about being able to look into the mirror of god's word and to let the words off of those pages begin to do a deep work within the soul of our being it's allowing the word of God to begin to conform our thinking so that we can be reshaped to think the way that God has created for us to think. There's nothing worse than a Christian who have all the Christian lingo down and yet their life reflects one of worldliness. And so many times we have so many things accessible to us today. Listen, we live in a day where we have so much technology. We have the Bible. We have the Bible apps. We have books. We have conferences. We have CDs. We have DVDs. We have iTunes. We have YouTube. We have all these different aids. And yet we struggle. And yet we find ourselves immensely distracted in the day-to-dayness of life. And I want you to know that we will never enter into the visionary freedom of God unless we allow ourselves to be conformed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. Jesus says here in 32, and you shall know the truth. I love that. The truth. That's a noun. You shall know. Most most people in Crossword Church knows how much I love this word in the Greek, the word genosko. He's saying here that you shall, uh, you shall come to know, you shall uh, recognize, you shall perceive. Watch this. You shall have personal experience with the truth. And then that truth will make you free. See, it's not about you trying to make yourself free. It's about the truth. And the question is, who is the truth? Huh. 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What he's trying to tell them here is that if we take the time, if we're diligent to put our face in his word, we're not only his disciple, but there was a knowledge, there was an experience that we will have with God, and that experience, which is an encounter with the truth, will literally make us free. It means unless... Unless we spend that time with God, the visionary freedom of God will continue to elude us. We will always be saying, I wish I could overcome this. I wish that I wouldn't always be doing that. The right situation will arise in my life and I default. I have these default settings that will put me back in my Adamic nature. And all of a sudden things come out of my heart that I thought I was delivered from. And it's only when we begin to put ourselves in a posture and we say, God, I need, I've got to have more of the word of God in me. So that more of the word of God can come out of me. You know, so we got to talk about what freedom is. In a broad statement, freedom is the power of choice to make responsible decisions for one's own self and one's future. That's just a, a working definition, if you will. But I had to go to Webster to just kind of see how Webster would help us to define freedom. And it says, it is the absence or the cohesion or constraints in choice or in action. It continues and it says, it's the liberation from slavery or restraint from another power. This is the Bible now. Here's the Bible's definition. It's, it's real simple. It's this. Freedom is new life in Christ. To live free from sin, to live free from Satan, to live free from the old man controlling my life and to enter into the abundant life in Christ. Freedom is not me simply doing what I want to do when I want to do it and nobody's going to tell me anything about it. That's irresponsibility. So let's talk a little bit about the desire for freedom and that it is visionary. See, the desire for freedom is visionary. As I said, the desire for freedom is one of the strongest desires of the human soul. People over the centuries have given up their lives and their fortunes in pursuit of freedom. It was the desire of freedom for the Hebrew slaves in Egypt that, want, that caused them to want to be delivered. It was the desire also of the Babylonian captives, freedom was. Freedom was the desire of the Jews that were under the Roman occupation. It was the desire of a group of pilgrims who founded this very nation. There's a doc document called the Mayflower Compact, and it said that it was the founding fathers, it was their desire to rid the nation of the British monarchy or the British rule and they express that desire in what's known as the Declaration of Independence. So on July 4th, uh, 1776, we see here that they 
documented and they penned and they signed what we know now know as the Declaration of Independence. Let me just share a few thoughts from this declaration. It says, we proclaim ourselves independent from the tyranny of those who would hold sway over the minds, the souls, and the lives of Americans. It went on to say, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. See, it, freedom, was the desire of black slaved Americans in the American history story. It was the desire, freedom was, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in his I Have a Dream speech for civil rights for African Americans in this country. Freedom was the desire of an Indian by the name of Mahatma Gandhi who wanted to see peace in a self-reliant and a self-contained and content society. See, it was a desire of Nelson Mandela to see the end of apartheid in South Africa. The desire for freedom even overpowers the desire for love sometimes. You see, men and women have left their fathers and their mothers and their sisters and their brothers and their husbands and their wives and their children all in pursuit of freedom. Listen, the thing about freedom, it's a desire that every human being possess. Why? Because it was a desire that the creator, that God, our father, placed on the inside of us. This is what he said to Adam. Subdue the earth. Have dominion in the earth. What is he telling him? He says, you have been empowered with the freedom to have dominion. It reads like this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. The New King James Version, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Then God blessed them and he said to them, listen, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion, watch this, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the year, over everything that moves along the earth. If you notice, it did not say have dominion over other men. See, ever since man experienced that rulership under God, it has been something that we will always pursue. Now let's move and talk a little bit about the privilege of freedom and the fact that that also is visionary. The privilege of freedom is visionary. First and foremost, listen, you've got to walk in it. Paul writes to the churches in Galatians in chapter 5, verse 1, and he says this, It is for your freedom that Christ has set us free. Then he says, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again in the yoke of slavery. What is Paul saying? 
See, what would happen is after Paul would be in those regions and he preached the gospel, then you would have some people known as Judaizers would come in and they would try to pervert Paul's teaching, trying to get those new converts to revert back to the law and try to put them in bondage of the law. And Paul is saying to them, listen, it's for your freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't be burdened again with that slavery. Here's a question. Has God made you free from anything? Let me ask a deeper question. Have God delivered you from anything? See, if God has set you free from something, it is incumbent upon you to lay hold and keep the possession of that freedom. Don't go back into that same territory from which God has delivered you from. Because what you're doing is you're opening up doors that you have no power within yourself to resist. After all, it required God to deliver you from it. Number two, don't act like a slave any longer. If you have been set free, you need to throw your hands in the air and let everybody know I am free. And the most important person that you need to make sure knows that you're free is the devil. When he comes at you, maybe in the midnight, and you're laying on your bed and those thoughts starts coming in your mind, you need to turn over and look at the devil square in the face and say, Hey, that may have been me last week or last year or last month, but that's not me today. Get thee behind me, Satan. So you got to declare with authority your freedom. We got to let the chains of bondage go. You have been set free. Listen, you have been pardoned and your, your freedom has been secured. This is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I could stay right there because there are a lot of people who name the name of Jesus and yet they're walking under a shroud of condemnation. They're walking in yesterday's mistakes and they don't know how to get those things out of their consciousness. Listen, the blood of Jesus, it literally have purified our conscience where our conscience does not Accuse us, condemn us. Let me, let me read the scripture again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Important word. It doesn't say for those who know Christ Jesus. It says for those who have been immersed in. Those who have found their identity to be in Christ Jesus. It literally means that now you have a disposition that no condemnation can rule your thoughts or your emotions. Why? Because you have been covered by the blood. Let me continue. Verse 2 says, because through Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives us life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Through Jesus Christ, we now have the law of the Spirit. And the law of the Spirit, it brings us into life. And that life now sets us free from the law of sin and death. Number three, you must exercise your free rights in order to keep it. <laughs> hey, 
The Bible says that the adversary is like a roaring lion and he's looking for somebody to devour. And if you choose to simply hand him your freedom, believe me, it is his intent to enslave you again. So if you've been set free, you got to walk in that freedom. Touch somebody and say, you got to walk in that freedom. See, if my church was here with me right now, I'd tell them to touch your neighbor and tell them you got to walk in your freedom. Listen to Paul. Paul is about to give an account of his freedom. Regarding his citizenship, the citizenship that he has in Rome. In Acts chapter 22, I love this, beginning at verse number 25, he says, it says, as they stretched him out to flog him. Wow. What if your life started out like that? That was the introductory uh, uh, statement regarding your life. As they stretched you out to flog you. Now the thing about Paul is, if you really want to get an account of his life and his ministry, you got to get into 2 Corinthians and just read all of it. Especially around chapter 6. But let me read this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal? I like the the inquisitiveness of Paul. Is it legal to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Wow. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. Verse 27. don't, Don't miss this. The commander went to Paul and asked. Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Verse 28. Then the commander said, I paid a lot of money for my citizenship. And then here's Paul. But I was born a citizen. This is so powerful. The commander's coming to Paul, and he's saying, hey, hey, are you a Roman citizen? And Paul says, yes. And then he begins to tell Paul about his story. He said, you don't understand. Um, I paid a lot of money for my citizenship. And I could see Paul right now just throwing his, his shoulders back. And Paul says, I was a citizen from birth. It means I grew up in this thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This reminds me of us. See, when we come to Christ, all of our past gets washed away. And then now we are citizens of the kingdom. And a lot of times the enemy wants to challenge our citizenship. He will also wants to do things to us that he really should not be trying to do to citizens. And if you don't open your mouth and let him know that you understand who you are. If you don't open your mouth and begin to declare to him, wait a minute, I belong to God. And begin to show him your your citizenship or your citizenry. You know what that is? That's simply showing him that you have made a decision to serve Jesus. That he is now Lord of your life. Listen, the same is true in our spiritual lives. 
John 8, 36 says, So if the Son has set you free, uh, you will be free indeed. Here's the question about this verse. Do you believe this verse? Do you believe that if Jesus has set you free, that you are truly free indeed? You've got to believe this. You have to take possession of that truth in your own personal life. I see Paul's letter to the Galatians, the churches in Galatia. And Paul literally is reprimanding them. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, he says this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Wow, that's strong language right there. Verse 3 says, Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? You're going to complete, you're going to try to finish by means of the flesh? And don't we do that sometimes? We come to God and we give God our hearts and we give him our lives and we're, we're, we're moving along the spiritual journey and then we encounter some sort of adversity. We encounter some sort of trial. And remember, we gave God our lives. We told him, we want you to be Lord, we want you to be master, and we want you to direct our path. But we hit this bump, as it were, in the road. And the first thing that we do, we turn back and we turn to God and say, oh, by the way, let me take my stuff back from you because I got to finish it and figure it out myself. Paul is talking to the churches in Galatians and saying, hey, listen, you started in the spirit. There's nothing that started in the, in the spirit that will be completed in our flesh. But there's always the pull for that. And then later in chapter 4, verse 7 of, Galatia, of Galatians, he says, So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you and an heir. He has also made you an heir. And now let's just take another turn. And let's talk about the price of freedom is visionary. It's visionary. Freedom has a, grace, a great price tag. It involves the giving of everything. The men and women that signed, the men that signed the Declaration of Independence, they gave up their fortunes and their very lives. It always requires something. There's so many people that have died for us to experience the freedoms that we do today. Let me just take you on a quick journey. Think of those who have died for your freedom in the Revolutionary War. In the War of 1812, in the Mexican-American War. In the American Civil War, in the Spanish-American War, in World War I and World War II, in the Korean War, in the Gulf War. And then how about in the war in Afghanistan? See, the same way that it cost those men and women their lives, the freedoms that we experience in the realm of the Spirit, cost God everything. The eternal freedom that God promises, it literally cost the death of his son. See, I believe that we're living in 
a culture and a society where people feel as though that they are entitled. And the problem with an entitlement mindset is that you never stop to be grateful and thankful for what you have. You always feel that you need more. You never really understand that what you have costs somebody something. Because nothing shows up for free, even though you may have received it. Listen, teenagers, young adults, parents, it always costs someone something. And here's what it cost the Lord. John 3.16, we quote it all the time. We print it on t-shirts, we put it on rubber bands, we put it on all kinds of merchandise, but do we really understand? It says, for God so love the world. It doesn't mean that the, the, the world was lovable from God's perspective, but he so loved the world. And you can insert your name right in that picture. God so loved Vernon. In spite of all of his inadequacies, in spite, of all, in spite of all of his failures, God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. Watch this. It's an open invitation that whosoever will, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Galatians 1.4 says, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. See, just like the armed service men and women served to protect our freedoms, so too does Jesus in his service and in his sacrifice pay a great price for our Freedom. His service cost Jesus his reputation with men. The very men and women that he came to save laughed and scorned him. His service cost Jesus his life on the cross. He was not treated as a king, he was not treated as the Lord but he was treated as a criminal. <laughs> and he was murdered. His sacrifice ca caused God the right to hold my wrongs against me. Because Jesus' sacrifice for me, because of Jesus' sacrifice for me, all of my wrongs have now been canceled. All of your wrongs have been canceled. Did you, do you get that? All of your wrongs have been forgiven and forgotten and they can never be held against you again. His sacrifice cost me the ability to do my own thing. See, I got to live now in gratitude. I owe him my complete obedience. Why? Because I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. His sacrifice cost me the right to discriminate against anybody. Why? Because he loved me enough to sacrifice his life for my sins. And so now I too must not only love myself, but I must love others with the same unconditional love. 
His sacrifice caused, cost me the freedom of yielding to my own thoughts and my own habits and my own fleshy desires. Because he has set me free, I must now respond not only believing what he says, but living what he says. And lastly, his sacrifice cost me the freedom of keeping this information to myself. It is now my responsibility, it is now your responsibility to share it, share it with as many people as you can. The freedom that Christ provided. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news, the gospel to the poor. To proclaim that the captives will be released. That the blind eyes will be opened. Blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. I want you to know the visionary plan of God. The visionary freedom of God is overarching. He did not wait until you did the right thing. He made provision Long time ago. See, because for every vision, God must bring the provision. And so today, as you are listening to this message, some of you might be reflecting. We're talking about visionary freedom. And maybe you have found yourself in a situation where it seems as though your family have been stuck and sometimes you're wondering, are we cursed? Because we keep going through the same cycles over and over again. I want you to know that the visionary freedom of God is able to break through bloodlines and to disrupt the plans of the enemy and to bring wholeness in the midst of confusion and hurt and pain. And what was your forefathers or your grandparents' story? It does not have to be your story. Because the visionary freedom of God is extended to you in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand today, beyond all shadow of a doubt, that if you're struggling with low self-esteem, if you're struggling with self-loathing, if you're struggling with self-hatred, if you're struggling because we are in a, a season of quarantine and, and maybe you're a single individual and, and you can't stand, you hate when, night, when the night falls in because your thoughts are just simply beating you up. I want you to know that by the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that God desires to set you free today. And whom the Son have set free will be free indeed. You do not have to go another day struggling in your mind and feeling as though that you're going to lose your mind. Because the power of God is greater than the power that works in the world. And so I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you today. And I'm praying for every family that's listening or watching. And Lord, today, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, I break generational curses. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak into the bloodlines of families today. 
And Lord, I decree and I declare that they, those things that are not of you are broken by the power of God, by the word of God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for grandparents and I pray for parents and I pray for grandchildren and great-grandchildren. That, Lord, that they would begin to walk in a new day in the name of Jesus. I pray that these cycles will be broken. And I pray in the name of Jesus that there will be such freedom and liberty that they will begin to tell the story of when the Lord Jesus set our family free. Father, I pray this now in faith, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Listen, if this message have resonated with you and you felt literally like, wow, he's talking to me, I want you to reach out to us. You can just send us an email at info at mycrosswordchurch.com and we will respond back to you. But I want you to know that God wants you to walk in freedom, not just freedom, in his visionary freedom. <laughs>